the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. As we head into Hour 2, it is a delight to welcome back as a guest, because he is sometimes a guest host, but as a guest representing Arizona 6th Congressional District Representative David Schweiker. David, how are you, sir? You know, every time you say that, it proves you'll just let anyone host there. Not true. (laughs) Not true. There are a strict series of criteria we go through very meticulously, and you just made it through. You did. Just made it through. You made it through. I promise I will show up on time. You made it through. When I got a, uh, when I didn't get the top score on my bar exam, someone said to me, you know what they call the guy who got the worst score on the bar exam? A lawyer. Yes, and probably my lawyer. (laughs) David, David. I'm sorry. I I, I understand, but I have said such crappy luck. I understand. I I understand. I understand. I'm a bit cynical there. You actually may have bad luck, but you have great fortune. And I was looking at what you were doing on Twitter today. You rebroadcast a speech that you delivered earlier this year because today kind of demands it. Do you want to say what you said in that speech? I have no idea which speech. You really don't. It was about how fortunate you were to have been adopted. Oh, And how yes. your life was oh, saved so when your birth mother chose I've, I've been life. Buried in, I've been buried in budget stuff. Uh, well, I'll take moment. either. I'll take but either. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm incredibly blessed. Um, I was born in an unwed mother's home in L.A. And adopted. Um, and then actually got adopted again. Um and Father Schweikert was on his heading out to Arizona, um, and got to grow up, you know, in the valley. And imagine this: imagine being in your 30s, late 30s, and you go into work and you turn on your computer, and on there's an email there from someone you've never met saying, "Hi there, hey, your little sister gave me some information. Here's your birth mother's name and address wow. and phone number." Wow. Wow. What do you do? Yeah. And I reached out and sent a very carefully worded handwritten note because I didn't know if she ever told her family. What are you doing uh, at this point in your life? Where are you in life when this um, comes to you? you? Know, I, 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 it's pre-elected office, in, I assume, or is it? I don't think it was an elected yeah, office. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I was running people's investments and doing uh-huh. things like that, I believe. Okay, okay. So, so life was pretty good. Um, and all I wanted to do was say thank you. Mm-hmm. And three weeks went by. So I just figured, ooh, she didn't. And then I get this call, and it's this little voice just crying, saying, I pray for you every day. Are you healthy? Are you happy? And I'm crying on the other end, saying, I've had a great life. Thank you for giving me life. Um, and the next weekend, drove out to California, met her, met the family. And guess what? This weekend... My little adopted daughter and myself, we spent time with my two six-foot-tall, blonde half-sisters Wow! Um, for my birth mom, and we've been doing that every year ever since, and it's just wonderful. I mean, so my little girl's the third generation adopted. Wow. So we're a little sensitive on this subject. Well, I guess that, that you have the right to be. I was, I was reading to the audience earlier, David— um, 
so far as I know, there's only one president who actually wrote a book while in office, and that president was Ronald Reagan. The title of that book was Abortion and the Conscience of a Nation. He chose a single issue to write his book on. This is how near and dear the issue was to his heart. And he, he made the point in there that this line, uh, every, child a wa- uh, every child a wanted child, he said it no longer works anymore. And he quoted Mother Teresa, and he says, if, if anyone doesn't want a child, we'll take him. Give me that child. Oh, we will love that child. There are no such what, thing as unwanted you know children Joyce anymore. I went through trying to adopt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife had been very, you know, had had some real health issues when we got married, and um, you know, we did everything we could, and then spent a decade trying to adopt. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 we got incredibly lucky. Um, but uh, how many couples do you know that? that have been trying to... Pulling their hair out. Child. Yeah, no, that and the foster care system, I would love to do tremendous well, reform on, you know? We, there is a policy discussion of, you know, 30 years ago, we raised parental rights to the abs- sort of absolute, and you're right. the lawyer. <laughs> um, and maybe it's time to have a little consideration of, you know, what are the child's yeah. future and right. rights? Right, Um because I believe most adoptions in Arizona now come through the foster care system. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, and, and, and boy, I'll tell you, whenever you talk to a foster parent, they will tell you, you know, versions of what you said, which is how hard it is to even adopt, much less become, you know, oh, a yeah. foster parent. And this notion that children are unwanted is, is baloney. It's just baloney. But, We've created a system that makes it harder for the wanted to get them, but there is no child that's unwanted, not in this world. And, and you you have to sort of think, what is the judgment of a society yep. um, you know, on how we treat, shall we say, the least among us? Yep. And, you know, think of the love and, 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 and heart pouring there'd be if a puppy's being hurt. Yep. And yet, do we feel the same for a preborn child? We don't. We don't. And... Uh, part of it is psycholinguistic. Uh, you know, Jesse Jackson wrote a very, before he changed his mind for political purposes, but in the 1970s, 1977, he wrote an article for the Human Life Review saying the way we can engage in abortion without a pang of conscience is by the same token we engaged in slavery. You, you give the human being a different name. Yeah. We used the N-word in the, in, in, in the past to dehumanize the black person so that we could do whatever we wanted with him. Here we give this uh, child, this unborn human being, he said the name fetus. Thus we can do this without pangs of conscience. This is the weaponization of language we live with. Now, I'm also a believer that ultimately at this subject we have to win by love, by conscience, Mm -hmm. by caring, Mm -hmm. by telling our stories. um, Because for the society to come together on on life, it, it has to be because of a collective sort of understanding of, of the morality. Mm-hmm. 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 That's the only way we're going to, and uh, and I agree with you on that. And uh, I think it starts with lowering the hysteria at every level, you know, our yeah. side, their side, and having these, uh, these kinds of calm decisions and walking people through it, because they really don't know. They really don't know this issue. I heard none, no one less than Neil Cavuto on Fox News, you know, a longtime journalist, Say today, if 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 Roe versus Wade is overturned, abortion will be illegal in this country. It's not true. It's just not true. No, it wasn't illegal and, and, and in this country before, before Roe versus Roe Wade. Wade there yeah. were states like California and others right. that, you know. So, but that's that's part of 
It's part of the unwinding you and I have to engage in, part of the... Right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and we have to also deal with one other brutality. There's an entire fundraising yeah. money, political yeah. power yep. industry out there yep. based around the issue, particularly yep. on the left. Yep. The left uses this to fill their fundraising coffers, and that's why, like today... There's only basically a member, a single Democrat member in all the U.S. Congress who you might consider pro-life. Is that right? I did yep, not realize that. One. Is that they right? They wiped them out, and it's because it's, it, it is the key to their fundraising. It's a key sort of um, litmus test. Um, Boy, this just wasn't true uh, of the old Democratic Party that no, I grew no, up with. George McGovern was pro-life. Hubert Humphrey was pro-life. Jimmy but Carter but was more pro-life than Gerald Ford. Even a decade ago. Yeah, even a decade ago. Um, there was still a number. And I think for many, if you take a step backwards and see what's happened in in, in our society, and then you have the weird stuff that you and I get into uh, where you, you put on your math cap and, and, and sort of move a little away from your heart and your conscience yeah. and say, what happens in a society where our fertility rates have co- collapsed? Yeah. Yep. What happens to a society as we get really old? Yep. And that's happening to us right now. Yep. yep. We're, pay, we're about to pay a massive economic price. And people don't realize your retirement, your ability 10, 20 years from now to be getting your Social Security check and your Medicare check, we've screwed up our nation's demographic. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It requires a workforce that, that has yet to be born. Sounds, yeah. Well, it sounds more like an accountant, but there's a reason societies have certain structures. Yeah. It's why and they organize themselves around honoring and esteeming and protecting life. life. It really is. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. sometimes if you can't talk to the heart, you can actually talk to the mind. Nicely put, David Schweikert. Nicely put. I well, well, let's do some of the math next time. I think we leave it right here for today. I think this is uh, just a beautiful way to end end this segment, if you don't mind. Is that okay with you? Oh, I'd love to. I can't improve on it. One day in the future, I need to tell you some of the final stories of my birth mother. I would love to. Uh, I, it'll make you cry. Uh, well, come on in. We have, we have, you know, we, we we have room for you here. I'd like to do an hour with you. And um, in the meantime, let me just say, God bless your mom, and God bless your mom, and God bless your family. All right. Have a, have a wonderful day. You too, David. Thank okay. you. Bye bless now. you, sir. I'm Seth Liebson. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We will be right back. Interesting year, 1982. Is it a better year than 2021? I don't know. This was the year that was supposed to be the healing year from the um, infractious and tortuous and torturous 2020, as we're now in December. Was that that kind of year for you? Was it a calming year? Was it a year where you could keep calm and or maintain calm or reclaim calm? And carry on. You saw a lot of those bumper stickers, didn't you? I mentioned that earlier. The refrigerator magnets keep calling. Carry on. The old uh, British statement from World War, uh, just before World War II broke out, and uh, 1939. So Britain was already in it, but we weren't. And um, you just wonder. You just wondered. Is it all for nothing? Do they mean it? Do people with their bumper stickers and their slogans mean what they say, or are they merely aspirational? Or are they a cudgel? Keep calm and carry on. Nothing about the Democratic Party. Nothing about the left. Nothing about the liberal. And their prescriptions. And their warnings. Is about calm and carrying on. 
It's about panic. It's about crisis. And it's about fundamental transformation, if not revolution. Gene Shaheen recommended revolution. Democratic senator from New Hampshire. Amy, uh, uh, Stacey Abrams, I see, is running for governor again in Georgia, which will be interesting for the commentariat and the journalists covering her to see how many times she claims the current governor is illegitimate. Uh, She has been claiming that up until yesterday for the last several years, uh, that he was fraudulently elected. I thought that was supposed to be what was known as a big lie. I thought questioning the accuracy uh, and the validity of an election was supposed to be a big lie. It's not. It's not. It's only a big lie when a Republican does it. Only only then. It wasn't a big lie when Nancy Pelosi did it with Donald Trump. It wasn't a big lie when Hillary Clinton continued to do it throughout the Trump presidency. And it wasn't a big lie when Stacey Abrams continued to do it, even as she was campaigning for others in places like Virginia. Quad licit, jovi, non licit, bovi. Doug is in Maricopa. Hello, Doug. Well, hi there, Seth. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and and my afternoon, no matter how good, always goes better. And I <laughs> listen in. You're very kind. Gain knowledge and wisdom. You're very kind. <clears throat> um, I have a story, true story, and um, there was a woman who, in her youth, was you know perhaps a little too wild, but basically a pretty decent person. Um, she did, on um, one sad day, end up getting into a situation where she got raped. Terrible tragedy, raped and abused. And as luck would have it, she ended up uh, becoming pregnant because of that rape, mm-hmm. even though it was quite violent. Mm-hmm. And um, and she chose, did, did something that I find more courageous than just about anything I've seen of any person in my many long years is that she chose um, life and not to kill the child. Mm -hmm. And which I find it to be very incredible because oftentimes... I I can't even begin to imagine. I'm with you. And yeah, I have a similar story, but keep going. I just to say, I can't even begin to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we can't, you know. At the height of our pain, we're, we're, most people are so wrapped up in the pain, yeah. they want the pain to end. Uh, the idea yeah. that life would be so treasured yeah. that it would, it would trump all of our personal pain mm. is a morality that is just almost bordering on sainthood. Yeah, I'm, I agree but, with you on that. It's, it's a morality yeah. hardly to be expected of anyone, really. Right, yeah. Yeah, right. I agree. Right. Well, this child grew up kind of rebelled because he didn't have a father, became kind of wild, but then turned his life around, stopped drinking and partying and everything else, and put himself through medical school mm-hmm. and ended up, um, you know, beginning his own practice. But before he began his practice, he met a very fine girl, uh, just happened to be my daughter. And uh, they got married, and as uh, my son-in-law, uh, one of the finest gentleman I've ever met and uh, become very much like my son and is also a business partner 
And uh, the idea that his worth is based on a person's feelings or is his worth based on his intrinsic value to God. And, it, it, you know, I just look at him and I say, what if someone else had choose to try to end their pain versus giving this incredible soul a chance on this earth? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so for me, it's very personal. I can't, you know, it, uh, matter of fact, I, I normally don't quote movies, but um, <laughs> there's a great line from Rob Roy when his wife um, was raped by the British and she was, uh, you know, was pregnant and didn't know who the father was. And she said, and I can't kill it. it. It's alive. And he said, Oh honey, it's not the baby that needs killing. Mm-hmm. Now that's cruel. It's kind of cold, but it was said in the context that you don't take out your harm on the baby. Yeah. The baby is an intrinsic gift from God. And he's, he's an innocent in all the violence and all the pain. There is something so innocent and so beautiful um, that I think we should treasure it under all circumstances. But to me, that's one of the most beautiful stories. And having lived it, I can't imagine that this young man would not be in our life and that we would be t- deprived, you know, that gift to our family. And and that thought is something I was exploring in a slightly different context. It was in the context of World War II, believe it or not, with some uh, friends at lunch. And we were talking about the exponential loss we will never be able to comprehend or ever get the factual basis and history of for anyone who is, um, uh, you know, anyone who is unjustly killed, anyone um, you, you you think about the exponential loss of the next person who might just have gone on to find a cure for, you name it, who might just have yeah. gone on yeah. to put his life in front of a car for an older or more feeble person. The exponential cost of these things is um, yes. is misunderstood to the degree we diminish life itself. That's yeah. it's. I had an emailer saying, "Why is it easier to get an abortion than to an adopted child?" That's a perversion of justice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's yep. because we don't. It's what we value. It's what we value. Yeah. Well, I That's thank it. you for that story, Doug. I really do. I don't know. I don't. I, the English language needs a better word than thank you. I mean it almost every time I say it sincerely, but you know it does suffer from certain syntactical saturation. I don't know. Maybe we can do it in other languages, but then it sounds insincere. Let's just go back to the sincerity of meaning what we say and saying what we mean. Thank you, Doug. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. couple things. One we talked about yesterday, and the other I should have mentioned yesterday. Uh, Pennsylvania, things are looking up for Pennsylvania, a new entrant into the race uh, for U.S. Senate there, Republican Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz. Certainly you've seen him on television. Certainly you've heard him in other contexts. Uh, This is, uh, I don't know, there's like five or six people uh, I think have been referred to various decades, various times as America's doctor. 
Uh, Mehmet Oz certainly would have been one of those at one of those points, trusted uh, trusted commentator and and um, and speaker and uh, medical professional. Cardiothoracic surgery, I think, is his expertise. Uh, is his um, is his specialty? Anyway, running for pe- for uh, Senate in Pennsylvania. Well. We'll watch that, and uh, as far as I can tell, this is this is welcome news. He's saying all the right things, and you know, this is something we're going to need to focus on as Americans. I was going to say as Republicans, but as an American, more than as a Republican, the import of putting people in office who actually have some degree of expertise in talking about things that affect and afflict all of us though we don't have expertise in them. How many of us have been forced to roll up our sleeves and understand things um, only at least to our satisfaction or predilection or predilectory satisfaction on any number of things, only to realize we may have been very, 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 very wrong? COVID is a great example of it. It's amazing when you go back and think on some of the history of it, what are we into it? Twenty months, twenty-one months now. Uh, how 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 much we were all craving information, and uh, some of the demand, uh, incre- you know, out out outpaced the supply. But a lot of the supply was not responsive to the demand, and a lot of the supply was wrong. And a lot of what we taught ourselves and what we discovered. Uh, and thought we knew and convinced ourselves of was wrong. And it still happens. It still is. I am amazed. I I, I don't know how we do this. I literally don't know how we do this. We go from a headline in the New York Times yesterday, well, the vaccines stop Omicron. Scientists are racing to find out. We don't know. We don't know. In fact, Anthony Fauci, two days ago, Sunday, yeah, Sunday, said we don't know. And today, the president and Anthony Fauci are saying vaccines and then boosters on them will stop it. It's the only way out. It it had me asking the question of the audience earlier. I'm still interested. Do you think your government is telling you the truth? Do you think they're lying to you or do you think they're making it up? As they go along, someone said, well, those categories are pretty strict. Isn't there a room for doing their best? Sure there is. Tell us. Tell us that. Tell us that. Because when we had a different president a year ago, we had the current president campaigning against him saying, I won't shut the country down. I'll shut COVID down. And anyone with 220,000 deaths on their hands is simply unfit to be president. That's what the current president was saying a year ago about the last president. And, well, we've surpassed more than 220,000 deaths on this president's watch. I don't think he is seeking resignation. I don't think he is seeking his own impeachment. All of which I don't know that we should be seeking The alternative, let me remind you, is someone I think, I think, far more dangerous than Joe Biden, and that's Kamala Harris. I think she's far more dangerous because, unlike him, I don't think, well, let me put it in the positive, unlike him, I think she has her wits about her. I just think there aren't that many of them. 
but I think she's fully cognizant, and I think uh, she's fully in control of her thinking faculties. It's just that those faculties are wrong and rotten. And I don't think up to the task of vice presidency, much less presidency. So what are the Democrats talking about? What do we do with a problem like Kamala? Because when she does do media, she embarrasses the administration. What do we do with a problem like Kamala? Well, you've given her the second most important job, perhaps, in the world. Where do you put her? What would be a lateral move? There are very few. So they're talking about the Supreme Court. That's the serious talk. Can we put Kamala Harris on the Supreme Court? Is that where you want her? Is that the better alternative? Think about the choices we have right now. In the meantime, look up the word Hobson's choice. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 That question I was asking about the government. Are they telling you the truth? Are they lying to you? <coughs> Excuse me. Or are they making it up as they go along? can also be asked of the media. And this Chris Cuomo case, it may have exponential issues. Uh, As you know, I think you know, he was uh, suspended indefinitely from CNN yesterday. I'll be surprised if that isn't an actual um, process to um, end his contract amicably. I don't think he'll be coming back on CNN. That suspend indefinitely is... Is, uh, is is code word for um, wishing him well on his future endeavors. I don't know what they could possibly be. I don't know who would want to pick him up. I think his career in journalism might very well be over. Then again, it may have never really commenced if you take the word journalism seriously. But it's going to have some aftershocks, uh, this, this little bit of an earthquake uh, in, in journalism and government. And I say journalism and government because all of this has to do with Chris Cuomo's efforts to help the governor of New York, who happened to be his brother. And you think about how fast things turned over the course of a year, over the course of a year. Chris Cuomo was strutting this time a year ago because Donald Trump would not be the president any longer. Joe Biden was elected president. He was strutting about that. His brother was the governor of New York who had written a best-selling book he got a $5 million advance for on how to stop and, well, how to deal with and arrest COVID. Also won an an Emmy Award for that book. And um, now they're both gone. They're both gone, not by their own choice, not by their own choice. The Chris Cuomo thing, people say, well, what is it he did exactly? Because when the first news came that his brother was being uh, 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 charged by others with sexual harassment, when the news of Governor Cuomo's Uh, sexual uh, assaults was being alleged. He said, obviously, my brother's in the news, and uh, for uh, journalistic and and rational reasons, I'm not going to be addressing it. That was after he had had his brother on 12 times, 12 times promoting his brother. 
that in and of itself, before the allegations were known about Andrew Cuomo or became public, I should say, that in and of itself had some journalists, ethics professors scratching their heads just a little bit. You have a very controversial uh, governor. I guess any governor can be considered controversial, but Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York at the time, he was controversial, taking a lot of shots at the Republicans. He was being deemed the groomed next nominee for the Democratic Party on the assumption that Joe Biden either wouldn't be elected or wouldn't serve more than one term. He was, I think, by most accounts, considered the next Democratic nominee for president. And on, you know, CNN, which considers itself and its fans consider to be the uh, network of record, the news network of record, they had his brother interviewing him, getting that interview with him a dozen times, a dozen times. And the mainstream media, by the way, the major media was covering Andrew Cuomo's press conferences. In fact, even in some cases over at MSNBC, cutting away from Donald Trump's the president's to cover the governor of New York's. Why? Why? <laughs> it's because the media has two problems. They're left wing and they're based in New York. What's important to New York in the media is important to the rest of the world or more important to the rest of the world than what the president says, especially if that president happens to be a Republican. But what then took place next and none of us knew was that Chris Cuomo at CNN was using his journalistic, not just expertise, but connections, connections, his power as a journalist to get information to his brother and his staff to help save his skin, to help defend himself against these allegations of sexual harassment. You have a journalist exercising his journalistic connections and perch and prominence and fame to aid in the defense of his brother. None of us were privy of that, to that. None of us were privy to that. When that became known, he apologized publicly because a lot of staffers at CNN had some trouble with that. You can imagine, especially in the era of Me Too. You can imagine, especially in the era of Matt Lauer and all that went with the Me Too movement. But he was allowed to keep his job until just a day or two ago when it was revealed that he was concealing yet how extensive his interferences on behalf of his brother were. These are all no-nos. These are all breaches of ethics, all of them. What happened by not stopping it with the first one, the first interview of his brother before any of this came, is that he thought, because you didn't enforce the ethics then, he thought he was just fine. This was all cute. Who didn't love the Cuomos? He thought it was okay. So he did more. And then he did more. And then we did more. And then he got slapped on the wrist, but no more than a slap on the wrist. So he felt it was okay to continue on until all of this was revealed to our, I think, mostly unanimous revulsion. The problem is this. The problem is this. Chris Cuomo wasn't operating in a vacuum. And now there's a story over at the Washington Examiner that Katie Kerr of MSNBC may have a problem in trying to help out the Cuomos in the sexual abuse scandal.
that Andrew Cuomo, uh, that Governor Cuomo was going through at the time. Governor Andrew Cuomo was going through at the time. The story is about Katie Tour over at MSNBC, literally saying on air live verbatim that which pro Cuomo Democratic strategist Liz Smith was texting her. Literally, Katie Tour is saying exactly what she is being texted as news, as objective, from an ally strategist of Governor Cuomo's. Katie Tour is at MSNBC. Her husband is at CBS. Her husband is Tony DeCopel. I have a feeling that there's going to be more heads rolling than just Chris Cuomo's. You break one rule, you end up breaking them all, the old saying goes. And it looks like Chris Cuomo did that. It also looks like so did those allies of his. We'll be right back. Well, this is interesting. Uh, I'm going to have to summon my uh, producer pro tem on this. I see we're now putting up the, uh, the Christmas tree here. Does that mean, Chris, that we have to start, have to, get to, start using holiday music, Christmas music in our bumpers now? When does that happen? I've noticed some other stations, uh, stations, sorry, other hosts on this station have been already doing it. I noticed it on Gallagher's show. I noticed it on Prager's show. It's a little early. Yeah, but pre-Halloween. Two holidays (laughs) early. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You could be. Uh, Let's err on the side that you're not, because you're usually not. And let's decide to start it to commence it Monday. Yeah. Right? Second week of December. Well, it would be the intro music. Yes. Yes. It will be the bumper, top of the hour, top of the hour intro. It will be the Little Drummer Boy, and it will be Casey and the Sunshine Band's version. Or possibly, possibly... Uh, the Silver Bullet Band. Yeah, there is some mystery, and in that we have three hours. We might we might rotate them a little. Yeah, yeah. That's a possibility. It's a possibility. Yeah. January. Sorry, I wasn't on air. I just realized I wasn't on air for everybody. So you weren't did, on air. I, I was talking to you. When okay. does it become? <laughs> that was an interesting experiment. If people could discern what the conversation. I just realized that as I was looking, no one could hear me on air. <laughs> okay. You're just hearing dead air. Glad you're producing the show today. Yep. Good job, <laughs> good job, Pro <laughs> When, as you asked, when is uh, the start of it? Yeah. When is the official sick of it season? Oh, I think we give it through the new year. Oh, I think give it through the 15th of December, I think. Uh, 15th of the, before Christmas? How many weeks do you get but of, of the music? Yeah, it takes us through Christmas and the Christmas season. All right. Of course. All right. And the 12 nights and all that. Yeah, I think after 12 days, it's like 
Let's go. We're good. My, oh my, I have a movie for you to watch. Based on a book by Dr. Seuss. I can't imagine which one it is. I have a, I'm getting, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. A book you have obviously never read. As long as it's not a CD. I'm Seth Leibson, 602 We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.